Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Thursday, April 21st, 2022, and it is a heck of a morning indeed, as we are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces for MMA's morning show. As we discussed around 11 episodes ago, I think that's where we're at right now, MMA needed a morning show, a call-in show, if you will. Every other sport has one, so what better way... To, to try to get this ball rolling and to, to host it with all you fine people on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. And later on, you'll hear this on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a wonderful day. Yesterday, of course, was April 20th, 420, if you will, as the uh, the youngsters like to say. And some of the oldsters, if, if we're being honest. And uh, you know what that means, right? It was National Cold Brew Day. So hopefully... You all were floating away, maxing and relaxing, sipping on that delicious cold brew. Maybe you got the munchies and had a donut or something to go with that cold brew. And yeah, it's the day after. So hopefully you guys are hanging in there. Uh, A lot to talk about. There's a lot of options to discuss. Bellator has got a doubleheader this weekend. UFC has a card this weekend. PFL had their season opener last night, which is a pretty fun card. And let me just say this kudos to the PFL for actually listening to people because yes, it was a, it was a long show as most of these shows are, but the pacing was way better than it was last year. Way better, like a million times better. So people were very happy about that. Then of course we got the big boxing match, Tyson Fury and what is Looks like it's going to be his final professional boxing bout, taking on Dillian White. That should be a fun one. Michael Bisbing and Jake Paul are getting after it on social media. And then we found out last night, Robert Whitaker is out of his fight at UFC 275 against Marvin Batori. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot going on. 
We're going to go here until about 8.45 Eastern because this is a busy day. We got BTL later on. And at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, Jorge Mazadal is actually going to head into court for his arraignment hearing for the alleged incident with Colby Covington. So we will be on that following along. And for those of you who will be listening on the podcast network later, we will have an exclusive interview there with Jerkar Close following his big win this past Saturday, his first UFC finish, first fight in two years against Brandon Jenkins, his first fight since the Jeremy Stevens shove heard around the world, but a lot going on. So I just want to throw it to you guys. I know tomorrow's a free-for-all Friday, but let's have some fun. Let's take your calls. Let's get your thoughts on the big news of the week, the comings, the goings, etc. And let's kick things off with Alajuan. Don't call me Akeem. Alajuan, what's up? Are you there? All right, we'll try again. Let's try Calvin. Let's get Calvin in here to kick us off. The first word, Calvin. What's going on? Hey, yeah. Uh, good morning, guys. Just wanted to say a few What's things up? about the uh, Bisping and Jake Paul back and forth. I think it would be a really bad idea for Bisping. Why do you think that? I think he's just kind of falling into the same trick that we've seen Jake do. You know, he's he's over a certain age. He's had a bunch of surgeries. He's got one eye. Like, I think he would get really badly hurt, you know? Maybe, but sometimes tears can be wiped away with $100 bills, right? Yeah. Bisping would get a lot of $100 bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't think it's going to happen, but I like how Bisbing is handling this, and, and I, I'm sure you agree because Jake Paul, they've been kind of going back and forth, and Jake's like, all right, Bisbing, if you do this, I'll fight you, and then Bisbing goes on and does this, yeah, and then yeah. he's like, all right, now you get to do this. Bisbing's like, okay, Speaking I'll do that. You got, you got it, a commission yeah. to clear. <laughs> you, got a, you got a commission to pretty much clear him to fight. They're like, if he fights here, like we'll allow him to fight, and then Jake Paul's like, nah, like I pick where we fight. So I think I think Bisping's handling it well, and even if the fight doesn't happen, I think Bisping looks pretty good in this situation. Yeah, he'll he'll certainly gain from it either way. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I'll, I'm enjoying the back and forth. I just I think I just don't want it to actually happen. You know. Yeah, I mean it'll be good for Bisping to get one last big payday, but yeah, I would favor Jake Paul to probably win that fight, but we'll see what happens. Anything else, my man? No, not really. Just wanted to chip in with that. All right, cool. Thank you, Calvin. I appreciate it. Cheers, guys. All right, Calvin kicking us off. Here's Tristan Gordet. Let's bring him in. I hope you're not going to address the Instagram DM that I just looked at. I was going to address that tomorrow, but uh, what's going on? Hey, Mike. All right, so I, you know, I know I prepped you for this. Uh, send you a message about the question I was going to ask right now. All right, so I'm going to name my top five for both categories that I uh, sent you. Said so top five UFC fighters that will contend for a title at some point. No fighters cannot be. You know, it's obvious they can't be already already in the top five of the rankings. And then top five UFC fighters that may never contend for a title, but are the most fun to watch. So mine, I have uh, for top five uh, fighters to contend, Shafkan Rachmanov, Armin Sarukian, Aaron Blanchfield, Tatiana Suarez, and then Umar Nurmagomedov. And then my top five that may never uh, contend for a title, but are fun to watch, Julian Rosa. 
Charles Jordan, who's fighting this weekend, uh, fighting on Saturday. Billy Quarantillo, Brendan Royval, and then Adrian Giannis to finish it off. So um, I do have honorable mention for the top five that will contend. Probably um, I have Saeed Namagamedov as well, and then uh, Kyler Phillips to uh, finish that off. So I uh, wanted to hear yours. Very curious. Hopefully you could uh, ask the rest of the team as well their thoughts. So uh, take it away. All right. I appreciate that. Uh, as I alluded to, I, I just looked at it this morning, so I haven't really had a chance to prep it. I like your first list. I, I mean, Rachmanov and Sarukian could certainly see all of them fighting for titles. Aaron Blanchfield, someone we could certainly see fighting for a title. Tatiana Suarez, hopefully her health is good to go. I think she'll fight for a title either at 115 or 125, just depending on when she comes back, what weight class she comes back at. So those are all interesting. The top five might never fight for a title, but are the most fun to watch. Arosa is is a pretty good name on that list. I like that list a lot. I actually think Brandon Royval will fight for a title at some point, just because fly like he's probably like two wins away from fighting for a title. Flyweight is starting to move along. Like I know there's talks about maybe doing figure eight on Moreno four. Uh, they were talking about doing that maybe in July. That doesn't look possible right now because of Figueredo having a, maybe a finger or hand injury, something like that. Guillermo Cruz talked about this. If you want to uh, and find that information, but it seems like Moreno just wants to get back in there and he wants to fight in July and Kai car France is right there. And I think that'd be a, a fine fight to put on. So maybe this in the winter goes on and fights Figueredo Roy Va, I believe, has a fight coming up. So if he wins that fight, then he's probably like a win away fight for the title. So I do think Roy Va will actually fight for the belt at some point. The other names I liked. And then, yeah, I will think about this more, Tristan, for sure. And I will have like my final list for you uh, on tomorrow's show. You have my word, my man. But I liked your list uh, very much. The first one especially. So it is 8.09. We're going to go, like I said, till about 8.45. So if you got thoughts about the stuff that is going on in the world, wonderful world of mixed martial arts, we will do that. I will talk about the PFL once again because I thought last night, and I didn't watch the entire card, but at least the pacing of last night's card seems to be much better, especially the main card. It capped off with a, a really fun fight between Clay Collard and Jeremy Stevens, 30-27s across the board, and I know you look at that, and if you didn't watch the fight, you just think that Clay Collard went out there and just put on a master class against Jeremy Stevens. That is not the case at all. It was a really fun fight. It was a close fight, way closer than the scores would indicate, but definitely in the top 10 discussion for fights of the year. It was, it was a lot of fun. But Clay Collard gets the win. Jeremy Stevens, his losing streak continues on. Hausch Monfio, man. This guy just has a never-say-die attitude, right? Loses the fight to Don Madge, and then he goes out and gets a knockout in the third round. I mean, it was just out of nowhere. It was great. Shoeface does what he was supposed to do, gets a dark stroke submission in like 30 seconds against Delon Monte. He was like a minus 7 billion favorite in that fight, so Shoeface treated him accordingly. The Canadian gangster gets a win over the former champ, Natan Schott, via split decision. Olivier Aubin Mercier trying to make some moves here. Corey Hendricks with a nice upset win over Emiliano Storti. TKO in the second round. Good win for Alexander Martinez, Martin Hamlet. Omari Akhmedov with 
excuse me, a Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday night for 17 hours. We definitely don't want that to happen. So good job by the PFL. They kick things off in a nice way. Very happy to see that. So good for them. Uh, if you guys want to chime on in here, feel free. Again, we have a we have a lot going on tomorrow. Bellator kicks off their double header. Bellator two seventy eight. Couple of uh, events headlined by women title fights, which is very cool. Good for that. Juliana Velasquez, Liz Carmouche will headline Bellator two seventy nine. Then we get a couple of play in fights for the bantamweight Grand Prix. Enrique Barzola taking on Nikita Mikhailov. We got Jordal Lugo putting his undefeated record on the line against Danny Sabatello. Dark horse fight indeed. I like that one a lot. I actually think I think Danny Sabatello has a chance to win this whole thing, honestly. And no one's going to like how he does it more than likely. But this guy is a problem with his wrestling. It may not be the most exciting thing to watch, but he is a problem. That is a dark horse fight for sure. And then Christian Edwards is going to look to bounce back against Grant Neal. Manny Murrow is back against Nate Andrews. That is your main card. Weber Almeida is probably going to go out and get a highlight real finish to bounce back from his first loss. So it should be fun. And then Saturday, obviously, the main event of the two cards, Chris Cyborg, Arlene Blanco for the featherweight title, a rematch. I think we all expect – I mean, it is MMA and anything can happen, but I think we all know what's going to happen there. Juan Archuleta, Rafion Stotts for the interim bantamweight championship. That fight is awesome, and I feel like the world is disrespecting – Juan Archuleta, what is going on here? I'm looking at the betting odds. Stotts is a big favorite here. It's like everyone forgot how good Juan Archuleta is. Craziness. Kyoji Horiguchi versus Patchy Mix is a great fight. Potential five rounds there. And then we'll see the return of Alimale McFarlane for the first time since her championship loss to Velasquez. First fight since December 2020. She will take on Justine Keish, the former UFC fighter. So... Not a bad card. That Saturday slate is is really solid. I like that one a lot. And then before that happens, UFC is back. We got Amanda Lemos versus Jessica Andrade in the main event there. Clay Guida versus Claudio Pueyes in the co-main event. Macy Barber is back, taking on Montana De La Rosa. Sue Maderji versus Manel Cap. Cannot wait for that fight. Alexander Romanov will be fighting. After all, he's taking on Someone put this on Twitter, and I'm going to steal it. I forget who it was, so credit you from the inside. Taking on the returning Chase Chase Nine Live Sherman. Love that nickname. Chase Sherman, like a week after being released, is back, signs a new four-fight deal, gets a few extra shekels. Unfortunately, he's got to take on Alexander Romanov, who's an absolute killer. And then the People's Main event. I know Helwani was on here for a minute, and I'm stealing his gimmick for a moment, but Charles Jordan versus Lando Venata. What a fight that's going to be. Tyson Pedro is back for the first time in a long time, taking on Ike Villanueva. Listen, not the deepest card in the world, but if you're a fan of prospects and up-and-comers, it's a pretty solid card. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. 
This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, let's go back to the lines here. Let's get Hussein in here. Hussein, good morning. How are you? Just make sure you're on mute. How you doing, Mike? What's going on, man? Oh, okay, so I have a question for you. Sure. Um, so a lot of the 16 countries that have UFC champions in them. There's a lot of upcoming guys from Georgia. Talk about Giga Chikadze, Rob Devashvili. And we have some guys from Armenia, Petsorian, and Armand Sarukian. I know you're hiring a lot of those guys, and I know Glover is definitely going to win that match with Yuri. So Czech Republic won't be the next country to be added to those UFC champion list. So who do you think is the next country to be added to that UFC champion list? Oh, interesting question. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just to kind of go along with the, the Georgia theme, I mean, there's a couple there, obviously. We have... We got Marab, who I think he, if he gets the opportunity to fight for a title, he's got a really good shot to win it. I just don't know how how long it's going to take for him to get there. One, because I think he's going to have a hard time finding fights on the way up. And two, he's obviously not going to fight for the title while Aljamain Sterling is still the champion. So he's an interesting one for sure. Uh, I mean, Giga, I don't think Giga fights for a title. I don't think he'll get there. Uh, I think he'll just be a, a you know, kind of going back to Tristan Gordet's question who's a, a fun, exciting guy who will probably not fight for a title. I would probably put Giga Chikadze on that list. Ilya Taporia is a guy who I believe could certainly fight for a title. And then you mentioned some other names. Armand Sarukian, I mean, there's, I mean, he's absolutely fighting for a title someday. I am super high on that guy. I might be higher on him than anybody has been. I was high on him before he got to the UFC. I'm even higher on him now. He will absolutely fight for a title. Unfortunately, I think he's going to kind of run into the same problems that Marab is running into because people are starting to see how good Armand is. The ranking, where is he ranked right now, the OC rankings? I have him very high on the only rankings that truly matter, the MA Fighting Global rankings. I think I have him higher than, than anybody. Let me see where I have Armand on my list. Let me see. Bear with me for one second. Armand Sarukian. I have Sarukian number eight on my personal rankings at 155 pounds. And I feel like he could beat 
anybody. Let me pull this up. Okay, so Sarukian in the UFC rankings is number 11. I know him and Gamrot are lobbying for a fight. That would be super fun. I just don't know if the UFC will go that route because you have two guys up and coming who could both fight for titles, if we're being honest. And I don't know if you put those two guys together to me. If you do, I'm watching the hell out of it. But I don't know if the UFC will go that route right now. And I would favor Sarukian to win that fight. I think Sarukian beats the bottom half of the top 10 from Michael Chandler down. I think he beats Chandler. I think he beats RDA. I think he beats Ferguson. Gillespie would be interesting. I think he would win that fight though. He would definitely beat Connor and he would beat Fazeev. Although Fazeev is a very good prospect too. So yeah, I mean, just listen, the sport is evolving. There's a lot going on. And then you mentioned uh, Glover Teixeira versus Jerry Perhashka. You feel like Glover's going to win. And guess what? I agree with you. I agree with you. I think Glover Teixeira is being extremely overlooked. I don't bet on MMA, but if I did, I would probably save a couple bucks for that one because I feel like that one's going to pay off in a big way because, yes, Yuri's been getting some work in a fight ready. It's a really good camp to prepare for somebody like uh, a Glover Teixeira, but I just don't know if the game could evolve that quickly in that short of amount of time to take on a guy like Glover Teixeira who will really – stylistically you just need one takedown to win the fight. And we saw what Dominic Reyes was able to do in that aspect against Yuri Prohashka. And if Glover Teixeira gets in those positions against Yuri Prohashka, the fight is not going to be going on for much longer. So, uh, yeah, some good questions. I think France could be another uh, interesting country. I know Ngannou's a champion right now, but He's more Cameroon. He's got some France in it. Like Cyril God could be a champion. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you sort of categorize that one. Um, if a guy like lived there and trained there for a little while, but he's from other places, do, do we count that? I don't know. So, yeah. That just shows you how good the sport is. And now we're at a point where, I mean, eight, nine-year-olds are training, are getting after it. Like my kid took MMA classes for a little while. He liked it. But then he got into soccer and basketball and it just became a lot for him. But going to his MMA classes, I mean, there were like 50, 60 kids in those classes. And some of them were really good. Like nine, 10 year old kids. Really, really good. I mean, these kids, instead of playing baseball and basketball, I mean, they're going full time training MMA. So they're getting to learn the sport a lot quicker now. So I mean, think about what this sport's going to be in five, 10, 15 years from now. I mean, you're going to have extensive amateur careers probably in some countries fighters getting fights at 15 16 years old i mean good lord it's gonna be interesting in the next 10 15 years so all right still got a lot to talk about by the way for those listening who will be listening on the podcast network there will be an interview with your car close coming up uh so stay tuned for that tomorrow you will hear an interview with bellator president scott coker i spoke with him last night some really interesting stuff from from Scott Coker. So maybe we'll have that that video up today on the MA Fighting YouTube channel. Uh, we do a BTL coming up at 3 o'clock, live back in video form, first time in a couple of weeks because we were in Jacksonville. Last week I was being Florida Mike, kind of on vacation the week before. We still got some podcasts in for BTL, but we haven't had an actual battle. We're going to have a, a match between a couple of Arizonans Sean Alshadi versus Jose Youngs. So that should be a lot of fun. 
And of course, if you missed the news last night, Robert Whitaker out of his fight against Marvin Vittori on June 11th in Singapore, UFC 275. If you missed it, Robert Whitaker took to Twitter and said, quote, sorry to say, guys, due to an injury I took early in the camp, I'm not able to compete in June. I did everything I could to get it right, but it's not healing in time. All this means is that I'll be back in the octagon a couple of months later, and I'll be better than ever. So Marvin Vittori has been out there lobbying. He wants the Smash Boys. He likes Shemaev. He likes Darren Till. Probably doesn't get either of those fights, if we're being honest. I mean, where's the upside for Darren Till there? Probably very, very little. I mean, rankings-wise, yes, but it's not a, it's not the kind of matchup if you're Darren Till looking to get back on track that, that you want to take, especially on less than two months' notice. No. What else? Vittori also called out Luke Rockhold. Don't think that happens. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. I'm sure somebody will step up and fight Marvin Vittori. Let's get our man Patrick in here. We got about 20 minutes to go. So if you guys got questions, you got thoughts, you got some MMA on your mind, we'll get into it. Patrick! What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Good morning to be hanging out with all you mother hackers. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh What's on your mind, my man? Well, I don't know. I wanted to call in the other day to talk about kind of wax poetically about Aaron Pico, which I guess I could do. But the thing that made me uh, request was um, there was all those middleweights that got mixed up uh, in that last fight. So any of those guys you think could step in against uh, Vittori, like Drickus, Duplessis, Nasruddin, Imavov? I think that that's that's what I thought, that if Nasruddin, Imavov could fight Marvin, that would be amazing. That's actually a, a really good idea. I like that idea, Patrick. Well done. Um, oh, you could hop back in. We'll talk about Aaron Pico if you want. My my apologies. I pushed the button by accident. Yeah, I like the Imavov idea. Um, yeah, I mean that's probably the that's probably perfect if we're being honest. Yeah, I like that one. Duplessis has already got a fight booked. He's fighting July second, UFC two seventy six. Uh, he's taking on Brad Tavares. So Duplessis is booked. But again, as we've seen in this middleweight division, who the hell knows? Mixing and matching. But yeah, I like the Imovoff the idea now. Will Marvin Vittori take that fight? I don't know if the risk-reward is, is quite there for him. He gets, he'd be heavily favored against Darren Till. He's definitely not getting the Shamaya fight. Luke Rockhold, I don't think that fight really interests him all that much. But yeah, yeah, I like the Imov the Imovov idea. I know it was more of a of a visa issue, I believe. So if he can get over to Singapore, be a really good opportunity for him. I like that idea. Well done, well done, Patrick. And then talking about Aaron Pico, this guy, man, really good. Him versus Mads Burnell, that's the fight you got to make. Very intrigued to see how that would play out. And then if he beats Mads Burnell. You might have to give throw him throw him into a title fight, right? You might have to throw him into a title fight. I'll let I'll get Patrick back in here to to finish his thoughts about Aaron Pico. What did you think of Pico, my man? Um, yeah, so Pico just seems I I started watching him uh paying attention after that little losing streak and everyone was talking about how big of a d- disappointment he was. Um and then 
watching these last like i think five fights he's on a win streak now um it just seems like every fight he's improving with the mixture of the martial arts um that he and the, the other thing that i think with him is he get he takes what is given that's um that's why i see that like he he goes in and with a game plan where uh, he he strikes into range, and then he takes you down. And if he feels like, you know, he has an advantage of the feet, he'll let him back up, and then he'll do it again. It's not like he's wasting any energy to do anything that is going against the grain in the fight. You know, it seems like he kind of is effortlessly letting the fight play out, and he I think he just knows what his strengths are and. Uh, he's so good at all those individual things. And now he's also so good at transitioning into all of those things, you know, um, like he'll, he'll slap a submission that I think will scare the shit out of someone from trying to engage, you know, and that's just to let them know uh, that that weapon is there. And I don't know. I just, I was super impressed with that fight and he was just throw he throws with power. You know, he's not like this, throw a jab out there, pump it out there and and win by points. No, he's like, you know, just a liver collector, man. He's just hammering that, the body. And then as soon as you go to cover it, he goes up to the head. It's I, I was just very impressed with that fight. He looked like he has a skill set um, to to compete with the best in, in that division for sure. And uh um, I don't, I think he could be the reason why John Jones left, man, with, uh, um, <laughs> signing it with the last name Pico. Yeah, man, he's, uh, he's really good. He's really good. He's living up to the potential. I feel like he was done a little bit of a disservice early on in his career, getting the Zach Freeman fight, but maybe that was the best thing for him. He's talked about this many times. Those losses were some of the best things for him. He ended up. Now he's he's got some time over at Jackson Wink, some time with Brand- I mean, Brandon Gibson has done wonders for him in his career and his overall game. He just believes in everything Brandon tells him and his coaches tell him. I mean, he has developed into just a super talent, very dangerous in all aspects. And that wrestling is so good, and it's there whenever he wants it. And he hasn't even really needed it in his fights. He just strikes so well and so effectively. He's just a very smart fighter. Fight IQ is through the roof. He can be chaotic when he needs to, but he's not full-on chaos like he once was. This guy is a problem. This guy is a problem. Him versus Mads Burnell would be just a ridiculous fight. I think that's the fight to make. And then Pitbull's probably going to fight Adam Borch next because Adam Borch won't let him work a tender fight. You would think that's the direction Bellator is going to go. And if Aaron Pico beats Mads Burnell, you do Aaron Pico versus Pitbull. you got to give this guy a title fight. Like, just throw him in there. Just see how he does. If he loses, so what? So what? It'll suck. You know, losing's never fun. But he'll learn a lot from fighting a guy like Patricio Pitbull. He's still super young. He's got a long way to go. Yeah, he's he's a win away from fighting for the title. All right, let's get Christopher in here. Christopher, how are you, my man? I'm doing all right, Mike. How are you doing? Good. What's up? Yeah, I've got two two things for you today. Um, 
one, just staying on the topic of Bellator, um, I'm really, really excited for the Ruffian Stotts Archuleta fight. Um, I'm really high on, on Stotts. And as much as I love Horiguchi, I kind of think Stotts is going to run through pretty much everyone in the tournament. Um, it's a shame the Pettis fight fell through, but I think I think the way Stotts fights with that forward pressure, the heavy kicking game, obviously the wrestling, I think he's going to nullify a lot of what Archuleta is good at. But I guess my question for you is, one, how do you see that fight going? And the other thing I wanted to bring up is, did you watch Clay Collard versus uh, Jeremy Stevens? If so, your thoughts on that crazy, crazy fight. Yes, Christopher. Uh, thank you very much. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and look at some uh, some betting odds real quick because I was puzzled by this. I jumped on a uh, a Bellator preview show yesterday with uh, my man Big Marcel and, and Santiago. We were talking about this, and I was puzzled by the betting lines for that fight. Where is it? Where are we at? Yeah, it's it's even got. Rafael Stotts is a minus 255 favorite. The comeback in Juan Archuleta is plus 205. That is really surprising to me. Not that Stotts is a favorite, because I think Stotts should probably be the favorite, but that just seems like a huge number at minus 255. I mean, if you are... I, I know my best friend AK Lee is here, and he will agree with this. Don't bet on MMA. It's too unpredictable. But if you are going to bet on that fight, you take a dog shot on a one Archuleta plus two hundred five because he's really good, and I feel like he's being completely overlooked here, completely overlooked. Archuleta had that fight with Sergio Pettis. He lost the fight. It was clear he lost the fight, but it was a close fight. It was it was a competitive fight, and who knows? Maybe he had an off night, and Pettis had a had a perfect night. It happens, it happens, but I just I feel like Archuleta is being kind of overlooked here. So I favor Stotts because of the mixing of the martial arts a little bit more, but I think Archuleta is a super live underdog. I actually think Patchy Mix is a super live underdog. Plus 185 against Kyojo Horiguchi at minus 225. Mix is going to have a, a big size advantage in this fight. Now, if the fight gets extended, that's where things get interesting if it goes to the championship rounds, but Mix is really good, man. Mix is really good. Could be another live underdog in that fight, so... Yeah, I like both of those fights. Super interesting. The Stotts Archuleta fight is probably the most intriguing fight of the entire weekend. Really interested to see how that plays out. And then the Clay Collar Jeremy Stevens fight was fantastic. It was a great fight. And as I said at the beginning of the show, you look, if you go on MMAfighting.com and you just look at the results and you see that Clay Collard won 30 27, 30 27, 30 you immediately think, oh, man, Collar just outclassed Jeremy Stevens for 15 minutes. But that is not the case. This is a close fight. This is a chaotic fight. It was a lot of fun and a fight that was way closer than the, the scorecards would indicate. It was a lot of fun. A lot of people are saying this is a surefire contender for fight of the year. I don't know. if I mean, it was really good. I don't know if we're we're having those discussions. I don't know if we're putting that in the same class as Shamayev and Burns, but good fight. Probably a top 10 best fight of the year thus far. But overall, PFL was a pretty good card. The The Monfio win was just insane against Todd Madge. It was a good card. It was a fun card that was paced pretty well. And that's it. That's the whole thing. That's all I wanted from PFL. It's just good pacing, a card that doesn't feel like I'm watching for four days. That's, I mean, that's, that, that's always my biggest hope for the PFL. 
The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. I will say this. Speaking of the PFL, as I mentioned earlier, I spoke with Scott Coker last night. You'll hear that interview on the podcast version of the show tomorrow. It may go up in the MMA Fighting YouTube channel today. But I asked Scott Coker about the PFL's approach to the Kayla Harrison, Chris Cyborg potential fight. But we're going to wait on that because we have somebody requesting. Let's bring in Kaiser or Kaiser. Hopefully I got that one right. Good morning. Oh, no, she's gone. Okay, never mind. But Coker, if you listen to a Scott Coker press conference or listen to a Scott Coker interview, he's very – this is kind of an old-school reference, but – if you ever seen the movie Bull Durham, Scott Coker is very, very Bull Durham-esque with his answers. He's got things ready to go, very, very company-oriented, doesn't really talk a lot of trash. He'll put his fighters over. He's a promoter. He is a promoter in every – he's a textbook promoter. But I asked him about the whole PFL situation, them going on social media – Peter Murray doing interviews, talking about how they're going to put this fight together. And Coker got a little un-Coker-esque. Had a little fire in that belly. Talking about the PFL. I was impressed. He got me a little fired up. I got some goosebumps from Scott Coker. Kind of threw some shade at the PFL for their business practices, the way they're trying to put this fight together. And what was interesting is that Scott said, no one, no one from the PFL has actually picked up the telephone to contact him or any of the Bellator brass about putting that fight together. Scott is not thrilled with how PFL has approached this. And I'll save the rest for when that interview actually comes out. But Scott was, uh, I had, I had a member of the Bellator PR staff, like reach out to me and they were pretty much shocked at Coker's response to that. Cause that was very un, un Scott Coker like, but it was good stuff. So we'll see. All Scott wants is a phone call. You can call them out on social media all you want, but you're not going to get any response from those guys. If you want to make that fight. But I felt like this could have been a possibility maybe a month or two ago. Right now, not so much on the co-promotion side of things, but I could be wrong. And again, Chris Cyborg, she's got this fight coming up on Saturday against Arlene Blanco. I believe her contract, and Coker kind of confirmed this as well, ends in July, I think, whether she gets another fight or not. So... But I mean, if you're Chris Cyborg, like you could go to PFL and and fight Kayla or do whatever. But why wouldn't you just stay in Bellator? Make that money. Make that money. You got a pretty cushy gig right now. And I'm not trying to disrespect the fellow featherweights in, in Bellator, but you get paid lots of money to, to main event cards and be a minus 1,000 favorite every single fight you're in. 
seems like a, a pretty fun gig to me if you're a fighter on you know the last legs of your career. Not saying that Chris Cyborg is on the last legs of her career, but she's probably got a couple more, two, three more years left at most. I know she's out here saying she's going to fight for like 20 more years, but come on now. You ain't fight for 20 more years. You crazy? All right, let's get Corey in here. You're going to have the uh, the final word. Let's see if we can get Corey in here. The wheel is spinning. But I don't know if we can get him. There he is. Corey, what's up? I had you. Unmute. You got to unmute. No. Oh, there you go. Hey, what's up? Yeah. Bad service, Corey. Bad service. So Lucas gets the final word. Hi, Lucas. Make sure you unmute. Yo. Yo. What's up? What are we talking about here? Whatever you want, my man. Okay, I got a question for you. Okay. Um, do you think any current UFC fighter that is active right now would be Jake Paul in a boxing match? Like any UFC fighter? That is active right now. And... Um, uh, don't say heavyweight, so like from middleweights and, and lower. <laughs> that are active in the – probably. Probably. I mean, I don't think like any welterweights are beating them. Let me, let me just, just – just, just for reference. Let's see. Yuri Perhashka, maybe. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting question. Nobody at welterweight's beating him, probably. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Middleweight. Yeah, you know, it's it's actually pretty interesting. Middleweights are going to give him more of a problem. If we go up to 205, it's going to be even more of a problem. Yeah, I don't know. Unfortunately, it's not, I mean, we're never really going to find out, at least right now. But we'll see what happens to Michael Bisping. Maybe Michael Bisping gets this fight. I wouldn't favor Michael Bisbing in that fight. I will tell you that right now. But I am in favor of Michael Bisbing getting getting one last big payday. That's for damn sure. All right, Ahid. You are the man. I appreciate you jumping on all the time. But uh, let's keep this to like 45 seconds. What's up, my man? Uh, okay. Like, uh, um, I guess I guess not talk about the weekend's main event, and it's obviously it's not Lamos. Like as it, we've got Lamos and Andrade, and uh, it's an explosive fight. But obviously we've got the heavyweight boxing title fight. I think that's gonna uh, between Fury and White. I think it's gonna be fun. Um, I think it's good that Fury and White were actually composed, and John Fury was trying busy trying to get himself in the media as usual. Um, but yeah, like it should be good. Uh, Tyson Fury genuinely, um, I think Tyson Fury genuinely understands the danger of Dillian White, like as in how dangerous this person is. Like, and, and I followed Dillian White. He's actually been, um, you know, he he's a victim of being screwed over multiple times. Not Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is not a victim. Okay, Leon Edwards is def- denied fights and uh, whatnot. Like. You want to look at someone that's been screwed? It's Dillian White. 
that's someone that's been really screwed. And uh, when you've been screwed like that, it makes you dangerous. And he's had to wait a long time for that title shot. It's finally here. And um, yeah, I'm excited. I think it's just going to be an absolutely brutal fight. I do think uh, Tyson Fury takes it. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I mean, listen, we, we, we're going to obviously have the two Bellator cards. We're going to have the two UFC cards. Or, I'm sorry, the one UFC card. The two Bellator cards, the one UFC card. But obviously this fight between Fury and White's going to take over the whole weekend. Like when we're looking at quote-unquote clicks and numbers and engagement, things like that, the Fury-White fight's going to get way more than the Bellator in the UFC cards combined, if we're being honest. You could throw the PFL in there, too. More people are going to care about the boxing fight. And, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, it could be competitive. I think Fury is just going to – I think the first few rounds are going to be interesting. That's when White could be the most effective. But I think I, I think Fury's just going to – I think Fury's going to dominate. I, do, I really do. I'm glad White gets a shot. I'm glad White's getting paid. And you're right, Ahid. He's – uh kind of gotten the short end of the stick more more times than not but i just think fury with the crowd and everything going on and final fight pro fight anyways and and everything that's there the way he's approached his career the last couple of years since coming back from from everything that he's gone through i i think this is going to be fury's night but white's good man white's one of those guys and maybe i'm maybe i'm guilty of it too maybe i'm guilty of it too that i'm overlooking dillian white here but I don't think I am. I, it's it's not a uh, out of disrespect to White. It's just how much how good I think Tyson Fury is, especially right now. So there you go. Well, that's it, everybody. Again, we got a lot going on here at MA Fighting. Nine thirty. Uh, I'll be trying to figure out how to get into the virtual courtroom, if you will, for the Jorge Mazadal arraignments. So we'll keep you updated on that on Twitter and on MA Fighting. We got BTL coming up at 3 p.m. Eastern. It is Shad Al Shadi versus Jose Youngs, a battle for the BTL King of Arizona. I'm very excited about that first live BTL video show that we've had since before UFC 273. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then if you're listening to this on the podcast network, don't go anywhere. I'm saying goodbye here, but that's just for the Twitter spaces. Interview with your car close coming up in a matter of moments and then tomorrow it's a free for all friday we're just taking your calls the entire day so think up of your mma anecdotes previewing the bellator 278 car which will be going down later that day we got bellator on saturday we got ufc on saturday we got fury white on saturday so there'll be a lot to talk about and i'm excited to do that with all of you so hopefully you guys are recovered from national cold brew day 420 yeah yeah but if you're listening on the podcast network, interview with your car close coming up next. For everybody else, we'll see you tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern, for another edition of Heck of a Morning. Have a good day, everybody. All right, let us welcome back Drakkar Close. And let me just start off by saying that this is quite refreshing talking to this man, not only coming off of a fight, his first in over two years, coming off of a win. And on top of that, his first UFC finish. In fact, his first finish in almost seven years. 
against Brandon Jenkins this past Saturday at UFC Vegas 51. Jakar, welcome back, my man. Welcome back to competition. Welcome back to the win column, all that stuff. How are you, sir? Uh, thank you. You didn't have to bring up the seven years. <laughs> hey, but I you got a lot of wins up. in between, so it's all good. Yeah. yeah, I know. I get clowned a lot. We we always joke about that. <laughs> We've done enough interviews. I figured you wouldn't be too offended by no, that. But, no, no. <laughs> but first off, man, I mean, that was some performance, Drakkar. You just unloaded on that poor man early and often, and he survived the onslaught to make it to the second round, and the chaos just continued from your end. Was this just a year of built up frustration from the Jeremy Stevens thing, just coming all out at once. Like how would you describe what, what happened in that cage that night? Um, you know, I would just focus and, and determine, you know, um, I'm back at the lab now. And, uh, and like I, like I was telling Crouch, like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be there. And when I'm a happy man, I'm a dangerous man. And, uh, and it showed on Saturday. Yeah, I was, that was another thing that kind of warmed my heart, finding out that you, that you returned to the MMA lab because, you know, as I've told you in the past, I was surprised that you made that move. But you said, you know, at that time, that felt like the move for you. You felt like leaving there was the right thing for your career. Maybe some things you might have said that you may have regretted today, but, you know, of course. But, but to find out you were back there a few years later, I mean, that was very cool. H- how did that all happen? Um. You know, I, I kind of, because I, I went to fight ready and I was only there for, you know, like three to four months. And and then after that, I was just, I was training with the guys from the lab, like other places, but not at the lab. And, you know, I, that was always my home. And, um, you know, I just manned up and, you know, talked to Crouch and let him know that, you know, I was in the wrong and I understand what he was saying and, I don't know, just, uh, just, I guess just growing up, you know what I mean? And just being a man and um, admitting your, your wrongs. You regret leaving? Like, if you could do it again, would you do it the same way? Because sometimes in life, as, as you know, you're, you know, you, you get a lot going on right now. It takes making a big change, sort of making mistakes along the way to make you grow and make you realize, hey, this is where I was supposed to be all along. I needed this to, to know that for sure. So if you, if you could do it all over again, would you just stay at the lab or would you have done this whole thing all over again? You know, like leaving, it, it turned me into a man, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, I wouldn't want to leave on those terms like I did last time, you know what I mean? Like if, if I can go back, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I heard a lot of people when I did that and, and the stuff I was saying, but, you know, I, I was still young and I didn't understand all that and, but, you know, uh, I've grown from it. So I'm sure Crouch was just like happy to have the conversation. And then you, he was probably over by then. Right. That's just the kind of guy he is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's you know, he's he's always taking care of me. And uh, and it kind of sucks. You know, we veered away, you know, when I had left. But uh, I knew where my heart needed to be. And, you know, I just made sure, you know, I, I talked to him and squashed everything. So last week, the, the fight week in general, I mean, you did this a year ago, you got ready, you made the weight nearly a year ago to the actual week. It was like, I, I think it was like a day prior a year ago, everything's all good until the face off after weigh-ins and then everything changed from there. What was this fight week like for you? Just being back in Vegas, the same venue, the same location, the same, everything. Was it a little jarring at all? Was it a little strange or did it feel super comfortable for you? 
Uh, I felt I felt very comfortable for me, um, you know, especially Corner and Courtney and her fights there. And then, uh, you know, I was joking around with Crouch. I'm like, well, last time I didn't make it this far. Let's, ho let's hopefully I make it to the cage. And, uh, you know, but but we did. It, it was a great week. You know, um, you know, the weight cut was a little a little tougher than what I thought it was going to be. But uh, we got it done. How about like just stepping up for the face off? Did you have? your guard up mentally in case things got a little testy. I mean, that's not really Brandon's style, but just precautionary, if you if you will. Uh, no, because I, I know that's not his style, you know what I mean? I kind of did like a little, uh, like reenactment, like a little push thing, you know, just to, you know, have I mean, But it is what it is. You know, Jeremy, uh, he's that type of guy, you know what I mean? He, he needs to, uh, you know, fight you know, try to get the other guy angry to win, you know what I mean? To brawl it out with him, you know what I mean? So, but it is, it is what it is. Jeremy, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Jeremy's actually fighting this week for the PFL. He's making his PFL debut. And when we last spoke, it was probably like, I don't know, 10 days after the shoving incident and everything that had happened. And you basically said, listen, no matter how many times I see this man, whenever I see him, we're fighting. Like, it doesn't matter. We're going to fight so he actually was asked about you at the PFL media day. And I want to read this real quick. We pulled up, he said, you know, I'd imagine with everything that we've been through and all the chaos and people misquoting me, all that shit, I wish nothing but the best for him. He went in, got his win, battled through a lot of shit that he'd been going through. I have nothing but respect with him going forward. I hope he goes in there and kills it and gets to the top. So I was just curious your reaction to, to Jeremy's comments there. Uh, someone told him to say that, you know, that's bullshit, you know what I mean? But it is what it is. Like, hopefully, you know, one day, you know, hopefully he wins his fights in the PFL and he makes it back to the UFC. So, uh, I can fight him. So all is not, all is not lost here. Time will not heal this particular wound. Oh, of course not. Fair enough. So going back to that conversation, after the whole incident, you, you told me that you were dealing with neck pain. You found out you had a herniated disc. You were dealing with headaches, but at the time they were starting to go away and you were, you were feeling a little bit more positive about it. And I know you did some media heading into the fight. You were actually pondering retirement because you're eventually going to need surgery on your neck from everything that's happened. You're not hundred percent yet. Is that true? Like when did those thoughts start creeping into your mind that, you know what, like I might have to get this surgery. And if I do, I'm, I'm just yeah, not going to do this anymore. You know, just, you know, dealing with injuries, um, you know, I've had what, seven surgeries. And, you know, if I if I had to do a neck surgery, because they told me they wanted to fuse it. And I'm like, uh, that's that was the last thing I wanted to hear, you know what I mean, is fusing it. So um, I just made sure I did a lot of therapy. And I just told myself, if I have to get surgery on my neck, I'm just going to call it quits. But, um you know, I'm just, I'm, I just thank, you know, uh, all the therapists and all that taking their time out and making sure, you know, they're getting me to these fights healthy. During that conversation, you weren't overly thrilled about the UFC's reaction to the whole situation. Dana Wayne in particular is saying that he called Jeremy a savage and you thought that was a pretty awful take on his part as many others. I'm not asking you to come out here and trash the UFC or anything like that, no. because I'm sure there'll be a Dracar close book after your career is over. Maybe you'll talk about this whole situation in depth, but 
has this whole thing changed the way you view your career as a UFC fighter? Like a lot of times when you come into the UFC, you're like, I'm going to do, I'm going to help these guys out. If they need a short notice fight. I'm going to hop in there. I'm going to help these guys out. Has it made you, I mean, it's a team sport after all, but in a way it's, it's a little more selfish. You and Courtney against the world, but has it sort of changed your view on what it's like to being a UFC fighter at least? Uh, you know, I just know it's a business now. You know what I mean? Um, I gotta, I gotta take care of myself first, you know what I mean? Before anyone else. And, uh, and that's how I'm just going to treat the rest of my career as a bit. I'm going to make my own business choices. Is that like a freeing feeling having come to that conclusion? Yeah, because you know what I mean? Like when I got in this sport, it's like, Oh, I want to be the champion, but there's a lot of behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Like, not anybody can be a champion. You know, they, the UFC, they, they know who they want to be champion and they push the guys who they want to be champion. So, um, but if, as long as that, if I keep winning and uh, spectacular, you know, maybe I'll get a shot at that title one day. How have the fans been as of late? Like, I know they were pretty awful after the whole Jeremy thing. Have they turned the corner at all? Have you gotten some some good vibes, especially after this this incredible performance you had on Saturday? Uh, definitely. You know, um, you know, after that Jeremy, like people were just talking mad shit. <laughs> like they're crazy. They they've never been in uh, a combat sport or anything like where you where you cut weight and being pushed is the last thing you want to, you know what I mean? Being touched, you know what I mean? And, and being pushed like that, it like unexpected, dude, it's, it sucked. Um, people get injured all the time, you know, car accidents, rear end, whiplash, you know what I mean? So, uh, but the fans, you know, either they, either they hate me or they love me. So, but they're going to tune in to watch. That could be your new nickname, Jakar, no gray area close. How about yeah. that? It's, it's one or the other. I like that. You mentioned that you were joking with, with John about, Hey, last time I didn't make it this far. So I'm curious because I mean, especially in today's UFC until both guys are in the cage and the fight begins, like nothing, no fight is ever done. Cause we've seen the Chas Skelly incident from a couple of years ago. He walks out, he's getting ready to fight. And then Jamal Emmers has a back spasm and he can't fight. So when you're walking to the octagon after everything you've gone through, what was that like? Were you just like, all right, this is cool? To be honest, I had no no emotions. You know, I just felt like uh, I was focused. I was in there just to do my job and just go in there and try to try to get the victory. Because, uh, you know, th- thank thankful for Courtney fighting for these last two years. You know what I mean? Like, because I haven't been making any money, and she's been, you know, holding it down here at the house and stuff like that, and. Um, it just felt good to go out there and get that victory. So now, you know, she can relax a little bit and, you know, I can take care of the house. And then you got 50 G's on top of that. So it was a, it was a banner night for you. Yeah, definitely. You get the win and you get on the microphone and you just fire out <laughs> at Mark Madsen, who is also now at, at Fight Ready. Is the Fight Ready thing where that stems from more than anything? You know, just line up these Fight Ready guys and and, and let's get after it. Like what, what was sort of the... Uh, sort of the the genesis of this it's the coach it's the coach that i had followed you know he was at the lab and when he left i followed him over to fight ready and i just realized 
he's like a used car salesman. You know, it's, everything sounds good. And then when I get, got over there, you know, it wasn't good and realized he was just a scumbag. Which coach is bad, this? Uh, Eddie Cha. Okay. Yeah, he was making too many backdoor deals, like with managers and stuff like that. It's like, uh, that's that's not me. When it, when he all he's worried about is money, and and you know that just that's just not me. Money's gonna come regardless. You know what I mean? I rather have the love, and I have the love at the lab. So this is more of a call out of Eddie than Mark. Mark just happens to be kind of in the uh, the crosshairs and just happens to be a fighter and just happens to be in your division. So it all works out. Yep. Any 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 uh, any guy over there at 155 in the UFC, that's who I want to fight. What did you think of uh, – did you watch Mark's fight against Vince Pichel at 273? What did you think uh, of I it? Did. I, heard, I heard it was really boring. Like, so, you know, I've – that's I, I know I know I can beat him. You know I can. You know I'll I'll, I'll fight him for his medal. Didn't he take third in the Olympics? I'll I'll put up I'll put up twenty grand for his his medal. And you know whoever wins he gets. If he wins he gets twenty grand. If I win I get his medal. Oh man, I like that idea. That's that's a good call right there. See we're we're, we're creating stakes, Drakkar. I like this. Yeah, I like this a lot. Do, <laughs> do you think that? Do you think this is a possibility? I think I mean with where you're at in your careers. I mean, he's the undefeated fighter. You have a very good record in the UFC. People seem to forget that for some reason. I feel like this is the right fight. It's like a, it's a fringe top 15 fight, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I hope I hope he takes it. You know what I mean? Like, I know everything that, you know, his coach is going to try to teach him. And it's like, I, I can, you know, I already know I can whoop him. So uh, I think it'll be another TKO finish if I do fight him. UFC is obviously coming back to Phoenix very soon. So I assume you didn't take a lot of damage in this fight. Is there a chance you could, you could maybe come back? I'm sure you don't want to do it a lightweight, but if something opens up at 170, do you think you'd jump in there and, and do yeah, it just yeah, to be able to fight in Phoenix? Um, yeah, that's I talked to my manager right after the fight, and he was like, um, we'll find something for 170 if, if it's a good matchup here in Phoenix. So hopefully hopefully that happens. Well, there you go. I mean, that'd be that'd be something. What a what a tale this would be after everything that happened. Two years away, you get to fight in back to back months, and then you get to do it at home. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, that'd be perfect, you know. And then uh, get another bonus. There you go. I gotta tell you some things that you said, and just looking at you right now, that you've grown up, that you know, you have sort of a new outlook on your career and on your life in general as a fighter. I could see it in your eyes, man. I, I could see it. I feel. From a year ago, when we last spoke to right now, you seem very happy. You seem very happy. You were in a very frustrated state the last time we spoke, rightfully so. But right now, I feel like you're very clear-minded. Um, everything's starting to fall into place. Do you do you feel that way as well? Do you feel like, okay, I needed this, and now we're going to start rolling in the right direction, the roller coaster ride, we're, we're going to start going super fast now? Yeah, uh, like I told you, I was, I was happy. Like I told Crouch, like, you know, sometimes camps are ups and down, but that whole camp, I was riding high. You know what I mean? Like, uh, was he uh, always kept uh, kept me positive and, you know, I have great teammates over there. And, you know, everyone's on the same mission. Everyone wants to win and uh, make the other person great. And, um, you know, and, and it showed in my performance. 100%. Jakar, congratulations on the win. Incredible performance. 
hopefully, you know, we could see you back in there. It'd be cool to see you in front of a capacity crowd in Phoenix, in front of all your, all your friends, teammates, et cetera. That'd be a super cool story. And if not, we get you, get that Mark Madsen fight medal for dough. I like it, man. For dough, yeah. I like that medal for dough. <laughs> Congratulations, man. I appreciate the time as always. And, uh, all the best to you guys, and hopefully you can get Courtney back in there sooner rather than later. I heard about her fight, and that, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. So they moved it back to July, what, 9th? Oh, that's right. So, that's right. So. Oh, there you go. So she's on the books, and hopefully we can get you on the books as well. Jakar, appreciate it. Thank you very much, my man. Thank you. Have a great one. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.